Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I want to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. And I also want to thank you for partnering with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. There's always something new and exciting happening here at Ren, so please follow us on social media. You can find us by searching Renaissance Decatur. And you can also connect with us by visiting our website, rendecatur.org. Enjoy the podcast, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church. Um, the 18th century just transitioned to the 19th century. It's early 19th century. President Thomas Jefferson had just signed the Louisiana Purchase, uh, purchasing the largest amount of, of land that the, that at that time the uh, United States had ever uh, purchased. Um, and this opened up the westward expansion for us here. And what we wanted to understand is this, there is some way to connect the eastern part of the United States with the Pacific Ocean. For well over three or four centuries, people had assumed that you could just travel up the Missouri River, catch another river that flows westward and make your way to the Pacific Ocean. So Thomas Jefferson assembled the, the, the Corps of Discovery led by uh, Lewis and Clark. Anybody remember them from high school history class? Lewis and Clark were assembled to gather a team of people, about 40 some individuals, and to paddle upstream <laughs> in the Missouri River. Who would sign on to this thing? And President Jefferson understood this one thing, that if we could open up the western half of the United States to commerce, it would, be like, it would be like owning the internet today. Could you imagine if you got to buy in on the internet when it, like, I mean, just imagine that. So President Jefferson understood the, the huge ramifications if we could just find a, a waterway to the western coast. And so he sent the Corps of Discovery with Lewis and Clark uh, ahead to find that way. They traveled for over 15 months to find the origin of the Missouri River to then portage over to jump into another river. They, they battled mosquitoes, bad weather, starvation, some hostile indigenous peoples every once in a while. They lost one person. I think appendicitis was the cause of his death. They took copious notes on their way. They, they discovered over 200 botanical um, species or plants that no one ever had seen before, over 120 uh, different zoological specimens that no one had ever seen before, at least no uh, European American has never seen before. And in, in taking these detailed reports, they, they drew maps of the river that they were traversing, of where every landmark was, where every waterfall was. They took copious field notes, if you will, to, to show where they've gone so far. And, and I, I use that story to springboard into what I want to do with the rest of my time with you today, which is to show you the field notes, so to speak, of Renaissance Church. Just like Lewis and Clark started with just a, a handful of people, um, you know, to find their way to the, to the West Coast, Renaissance started with just a handful of people. I don't know if many of you know that, but Renaissance, the church here that you're sitting in, started in my living room about eight years ago. Well, nine years now. Uh, it, that's crazy. Can you imagine all of you people in my living room right now? To be honest, I probably would invite some of you. <laughs> that's, that's not true, is it? <laughs> it's, it is. 
So I just want to draw your attention to the screens here. I'm just going to walk through some numbers for us today. And it, this might seem dry, and I hope to tie all this in at the end to just sort of prove this reality that God is actually doing something kind of unique here. Um, and I say unique, peculiar, um, strange. It just feels very much something that God would do. Um, all of this, the numbers that you'll see here, they're available to you on a a field notes page, sort of a, a business review. You, you can pick up one of these outside by the Ren Cafe at the merch counter. We, we didn't print one for every one of you because I know not every one of you cares about this sort of stuff. But for those of you that do care, there's one of these available for you out there. So please pick up one of those. In um, February of 2011, we had our very first meeting in this space. We had high tables in the back. We served snacks and um, food and stuff. It was way cool. We had about 50 some people. In fact, for the first year of our existence, our average weekly attendance was 50 some people. And over the last seven or eight years, you can see the steady growth that we've seen every other year. It seems like every other year we've doubled in size. Does that seem right? I mean, just look at the numbers there. 55 people, half of those were my family. <laughs> and then, and then we grew, and then this interesting thing happened right there in 2014 and 15 as we added a, a, another service. We added a morning service, and so we were able to grow again. And then we added another, another service there, 2015, 2016. And you can see the steady growth here. And I always like to make mention of this, and we do all of this with no advertising dollars. I, I jokingly say, you never see my face on a city bus going down the street. <laughs> Although, let's be honest, that would be awesome. <laughs> but there's no advertising dollars towards this. In fact, I have to confess something to you, if I may. I think in the, ex in, in the entirety of Renaissance's existence, and I, I'm trying to really think truthfully, Lord, help me speak the truth. I, I doubt if I've invited more than five people to this church. I, I, I just, because for me, it just seems weird. You know what you should do? You should come hear me talk. That's what you should do. That's what you need. You need to hear me talk. So, so I, never, I never invite people to come, but you guys do. In fact, one of my favorite questions to ask people when they first get here is like, how did you get here? Like, who, who invited you to come? Who, what's your connection to all of this? And, and what's funny is uh, just this last week, I, I was at the doctor's office. I'm fine. Thank you. And I met with a, a radiological tech or something, and she was doing some type of test on me. And uh, she, she asked what I did for a living. I said, I work at a church. And she said, oh, yeah, which one? I said, Renaissance. And she goes, oh, I've been thinking about visiting that one. I said, you have? I said, well, let me, let me talk you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the worst church experience you could have in the city. It's incredibly overcrowded. The rooms are either too hot, Becky, or too cold. Right? Last week, double socks. This week, we're sweating ourselves here. You can kick on the air at any time, Jim. That's fine. We have overflow upon overflow upon overflow. We had visitors for the very first time watching the service from the stairs. We call that stadium seating. The stairs in the front. We have, we have a single toilet for the men and a single toilet for the women. There is always a line for the restroom. Laramie went into the men's this morning. I'm just saying. So, um, so Becky, her name was Becky. I said, I appreciate your willingness to, to want to come visit, but I don't recommend it. I just be honest with you. No, and I say that jokingly because there, these are some profound things that, that 
if I've heard a call from the Lord, and I don't say that with exaggeration, but if I, if I felt called to do anything by God, it's just to create a place where people who are far away from God, or what I call on the fringes of faith, would feel welcome and comfortable to come. And that's really my desire to do that. And in the midst of all of that, we try to prop up this, this um, person, Jesus. Right? Jesus Christ is everything to us. We do everything we do because of Jesus. And if you ever come to this church and not hear Jesus, we've done something terribly wrong that day. It is all because of Jesus. And I think because of all of that, more people are gathering and gathering and gathering. We believe that to be true. We pray that to be true every, every week. But we had exponential growth. Just a couple stats from 2018. Our largest attended weekend last year was over 1,100 people. It's Easter weekend, big holiday for us. Obviously, that's four services. This room holds 140 chairs. Put that in perspective. Four services, overflow upon overflow, all the kids added together over two days. We had 1,100 people. We're averaging about 620 people every weekend. And that's for the entirety, entirety of the year. If we just look at the last three months of 2018, that number grows to like 650 or so. Christmas, we had 740 some people come on Christmas weekend. In November, three weeks ago or so, four weeks ago, I can't remember what it was, we had one of our largest attended services ever outside of a holiday. 715 people came and squeezed into this place. This is a, these are encouraging numbers is all I'm trying to say. Um, we can look at some of the statistics of people serving here in the church. We have over 271 people serving last year. It takes about 88 people to run a, a weekend service. So those 271 people, they're gold to us, right? They're volunteers, they help us. They're the door greeters, they're the kids workers, they're the band, they're, they're everybody else who's not staff. And just for the record, I think I'm the only full-time employee currently right now, <laughs> right? Everyone else is part-time and volunteer. It's like, this is a huge thing that this church is undertaking. We have about 48 people in Ren groups every week. And without tears coming to my eyes, I wanna to point to these 15 baptisms that we had last year. I was talking about this this morning. I'm like, 15 baptisms? I mean, if we run the, um, the risk of comparison to other churches, I look at that number and it seems small and insignificant. I look at other churches who baptize that, that, that number of people on a weekend. I look at other churches who baptize hundreds of people but I'm telling you that 15 baptisms is a, is a huge number for us here at the church. And I'll tell you why, because I baptized almost all of those people, not every one of them, but I was at the service where all of them were baptized. And I looked in their eyes and I've seen the transformation that Jesus has made in their lives. This is not something they're just doing because all of the, the rest of the youth group is getting baptized. Not that that's a bad thing. It's not something that they're doing just because some of the, uh, their friends are getting baptized. They are compelled by Christ himself to to have a public witness of their transformation in Christ and they're baptizing themselves. They're asking to be baptized. And listen, when we baptize, we baptize off campus because we don't have a baptistry here. And we go to another church and they open up their fellowship hall for us. And, they, and these people, they invite their friends and their families to come. Sometimes we'll have 70 to 80 people in this room when people are getting baptized. It is nuts. Sometimes you guys hear word of it and you come and join us which I, I think to myself, why don't we make this public knowledge anyways? You should come and celebrate these baptisms. These are huge numbers for us. By the way, 
if any of you have questions about any of this stuff, I want you to send me an email at info at Rendicator. So um, this is for the members here. Any, if you have any questions about what I'm going to talk about next, which is financials or anything else, send it to info at Rendicator, and I will get an answer for you. I'm not saying I will personally answer you, but I will find an answer for you. So let's look real quick at some of the um, financial things here. The, these numbers blow me away. $680,000 is what we thought we would bring in last year. It's what we budgeted to bring in, um, but we brought in $790,000. and almost $90,000. That's great, I love it. And you add to that some restricted giving. Now that restricted giving is what we'll talk about later. It's, it's mostly building fund stuff. It's mostly the count me in stuff, but all total, the, the total money brought in for last year for Renaissance Church, a little seven-year-old church plant was over $1 million. Over a million dollars. Did I mention I'm the only full-time employee and a bunch of part-time staff? I mean, this just blows me away. That, and, and again, this, for me, it just screams, the, I don't want to be the salesman trying to convince you of this, but to me, this, it, it looks like God's fingerprints are all over this. Yes? Besides the fact that we never take an offering. If you're visiting here, did you notice that? We've gone through the whole service up to this point, and we've never asked you for a dollar. You're welcome to give, and we would accept your offering. <laughs> This is, the, this is the compulsion, I think, that God places in people's hearts, and they give in the offering boxes outside these doors, and they do that every week. And, and because of that, we were able, able to raise a, a million dollars. We, we uh, 16% over what we thought we would bring in. And of those, that million dollars that came in, 383 different giving families here in the church. 383, the beautiful thing about this number is this, in that number is like 51 families who never gave in 2007 started giving in 2018. Again, under no compulsion from us. You guys just began to realize that this is truly something that you wanted to be a part of, that you wanted to participate in. You began to trust you know, your finances in the Lord and all of those things and started to, to fund the ministry that we're doing. It's just profound to see that 51 new people would decide to, to join with us in having this church operate and run. Now let's look at some of the expenses here. In 2018, we expensed a budget of $652,000. So of that 680, we thought we'd bring in, we only needed to spend 650 to make the year run. And you know, because my wife is a tightwad, she's not here, I can say that. <laughs> we actually only spent $559,000. So we were well under our expense budget. We saved money, basically. 14% we were under budget. We also spent an additional $260,000 on building renovations. So just so you know, we have been saving money over the last many years, just putting it into a savings account, knowing that at one point we are going to have to do a building renovation, knowing at one point we're gonna have to just make more space for more people, knowing that we just can't continue to add services and make more room for more people that way. We had to do something. So we've been saving money, and so now we're starting to spend money. That $260,000, praise the Lord, came directly out of our savings. And we just wrote, wrote checks for all of that. And that was really easy. And I want to show you the breakdown of the budget expenses here. I don't need to read that for you. You can see that, right? My, my favorite one is the bottom one, 14% budget saved. Again, knowing that we were moving into a, a big building renovation project. 11% of the money that we 
bring in through tithes through all of you. We tithe off of that as well, and we use a lot of that money for missions as well. And this next slide will show you some of the things that we've partnered in. I tell you, God is strange. Is that, is that, you think that offends him? Just know this, that that Fisher family in, in China, it's a God thing that we know who they are. Like we just met them through one of our greeters here. His name is Brad, if you know, is Brad here? Doesn't matter. Brad's one of our awesome door greeters. His daughter is one of the Fishers and she happens to be in China doing missionary work in China. I mean, they're, they're teaching people about Jesus where it's illegal to teach people about Jesus. And we just got to know them and we, we fund their work. We fund the, the work that Takuna Lama is doing in Wolf Point, Montana. We have a church planting friends in Detroit, Michigan. Um, there's a, Detroit is a very large city, as you know, and in the middle of Detroit, there's another city called Hamtramck. Has anybody heard of Hamtramck? It's actually inside, it's inside of Detroit. Detroit actually grew around this little city, Hamtramck. Hamtramck has the largest um, Muslim population, I think, in the United States and has the first Muslim um, city council, you right? And my, we have a friend that has planted a church in Detroit and in Hamtramck and, and we support the work that he's doing there because we believe that that's a true mission field even in the United States here. We do a lot of work in, in our own hometown through the schools and InterVarsity with Millican and Richland up at ISU even. Um, anyways, this is some of the things that we do with the money that comes in. Any questions? Send it to info at rendicator.org. We saw a Count Me In update video already, but I'll go through these numbers. Just under $520,000 was pledged. And we've brought in around 336,000 in 16 months or so. 65% funded. Now I'm a math guy, I work the math out. So if we get to September, which is when this two-year campaign will end, we have to bring in $23,000 a month to fulfill that $518,000. That's a big number. That's on top of the tithes and stuff that's already coming in. So we'll see what happens here. Most banks would tell you that if you take uh, pledges for your church expansion project, you can only expect about 50% of the, the pledges to come in. So already Renaissance is breaking the rules there because we're at 65%. So that's awesome that you guys have done that. And, and I don't know if you know this, but Renaissance, we do everything wrong here. <laughs> and, and yet God continues to like bless it. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. When we started, we started Sunday nights only. All my friends said, that's insane. What are you thinking? My, my friend, I have a very good friend of mine who's a church planter. He says, Jeff, I've read all the books. Everything it says not to do, you guys do. <laughs> and it's incredible. Um, any questions on Count Me In, you can send those to info at rendicator.org. And let's look real quick at 2019. So we, we budgeted... Uh, 600 some thousand dollars for expense budgets last year. Um, the church is continuing to grow. We are bringing on more staff. Praise the Lord. Maybe some more full-time staff. Praise the Lord. And so we're gonna spend some more money. We're gonna spend $732,000 is what we're thinking we'll, we'll spend. And you can see the budget breakdown for our expenses here on this slide. That second one right there hits you in the face, doesn't it? That's, that's the 500 seat 
room next door that we hope to have done in about five or six months so that more people can come and hear about Jesus. But it comes at a cost to us. And those are some of the things that keep me up at night. And I remember I sleep well. I sleep at trains. I could sleep anytime. anytime. I, could, I could nap here, to be honest with you. <laughs> but that, that makes me a little nervous if I wasn't truly believing that God was doing something here. I might believe it. I have, I have no other way to support these numbers. I don't, I, don't know, I don't have any other plausible explanation as to why these numbers are what they are, except that God seems to be doing something here. I'm, I'm seeing some nods of affirmation here, but would you, would you agree with me in that? I just see that. And, and much like Lewis and Clark, is like they just took copious notes as they made their way into this sort of uncharted place it was used to, to show people the places that they've gone, the things that they'd seen, and to encourage them as well. So that, that's the whole idea of this. And, and some might even argue, why even talk about all, all of the numbers like this? Why spend time talking about numbers? So I, I know most of my time has been about numbers, but I just want to kind of wrap some of this stuff, stuff up into what I think would be a real biblical understanding of numbers. Uh, just to be like intentionally funny here, there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. So numbers matter, right? Right? It's where, where, I mean, it's Old Testament. It's, it's the funnest read you'll ever read, I'll tell you. <laughs> but it, it's really where, where, in the Old Testament, Moses is recounting the story of where, where God's people were counted. There's a census taking place. And, and a lot of this had a purpose in it. And I can just say this. All, all of those numbers aside, know this, that every number of a person who attends here has, has a name. It's not just about numbers for us, but every number has a name. This name is an actual person, and God cares deeply about this person. Would you agree? Like, I wish we had better metrics. I wish we could track all of the people who come and go. I've watched people, as service has started, come in the front door, do the loop through the room, feel, and find there's no space for them to turn around and leave. I've watched that happen. I wish we could track the people who come. And I've, I've heard this, and maybe you've heard it too. When you guys get the new room done, let me know, and then I'll come back. Right? Let me know, and I'll see you. And let me know, and then. <laughs> There's even been people leave in the middle of the service. There are, there are four gospels or stories of Jesus' life in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was written by a man named Luke. Luke was not a follower of Jesus. He was not one of the disciples. He actually came to faith through one of the other apostles somehow. I don't remember the story. I don't even know if the story is told to us, but Luke became a believer. And he, he, he traveled with Paul, I think, uh, in his missionary journeys as Paul was planting churches all through you know, the modern world at that time. In fact, I think it was Luke who stayed with Paul even unto his death in Rome. But, but Luke, he takes this time in the end of his life, if you will, and he begins to assemble a storyline of Jesus and he calls it, we call it the Gospel of Luke. If you read the first part of Luke, it says that he's writing this to his friend that's called Theophilus. Theophilus is a friend of his who's also a believer. And Theophilus has come to faith. and He's been taught the things about Jesus. 
But Luke sets it upon himself to write the, the actual accounts that took place in Jesus' life and his ministry to prove to Theophilus that the things that he's been taught are in fact truthful. That there's a reason why we keep track of some of these things. There's a, a reason why we pay attention to some of these things. There's a reason why we, we look at these numbers because they, to me, they prove to the reality that Jesus is in fact doing something. Let's read Luke chapter one, verse three here. This is what Luke is saying to his friend Theophilus. It seemed good to me also, having followed all of these things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, Theophilus. Verse four, it says that you would have a certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. There, there's a reason why Luke went around and he, he interviewed all of the people who had dealings with Jesus. He had the gospel of Mark and Matthew already and he used some of that to assemble his own storyline of Jesus. But he went and he had, he, he had conversations with people, interviews with people who had an encounter with Jesus and he wrote all of those things down in a letter to his friend Theophilus so, so that Theophilus could say, this is true. These are not made up things. And in Luke's gospel, he recounts at least 21 miracles that Jesus had performed. At least 21, there could be more. Depends on how you count the numbers. I think Jesus raising from the dead is a miracle, yes? Luke tells that story. I think Jesus being born of a virgin is a miracle, yes? Luke tells that story. Tells the story of Peter's mother who's overcome by a fever. Jesus heals her and she gets up and begins to serve them. It talks about a, a centurion whose daughter is sick and Jesus comes and, and heals that kid's daughter. I mean, and on and on it goes. Luke wants Theophilus to know that God's at work in Jesus' life. For, for me, those stories of everything that we've discussed is, is again, proof that God is at work in, in Renaissance's life. I, I'm gonna close with this little last little bit here. Lewis and Clark, for centuries, they had, people had believed that if you could just make your way up the Missouri River and find another river, you could just float to the Pacific. They could, they could find a waterway, so to speak. And again, this is what Thomas Jefferson had set out to find, this, this waterway for commerce is what he called it. <coughs> After 15 months, Lewis and Clark found the origin of the Missouri River. It's a spring that comes up, I think, in um, Montana somewhere. I don't remember exactly, but he, he, he pulls water out of the spring in his hands and takes a drink of it, knowing that the water that comes up out of the ground here makes its way all the way to the Gulf of Mexico all the way down the Missouri, all the way down the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico. So all that's left to do then is just to crest a small hill and then find another river to float down. And so they're celebrating in all of this and they send a search party out ahead of them and they crest this hill only to find what stands before them, the terrible Rocky Mountains, they called them. There is no waterway from the East Coast to the West Coast. There is no way to connect the two. What everybody thought was wrong what everybody thought they had to do was in fact wrong. They actually, at that point, 15 months in, now truly started the work. I say that to say this. We thought when we started seven or eight years ago, all we needed to do was just to create a space that God could gather people. And we would just exalt Jesus and Jesus would save people, Jesus would help people. We believed all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, what, what stands before us, I believe, are terrible Rocky Mountains. <laughs> 
this, this expansion and what, what, what stands before us in the next few years is terrifying to us. But for God, we, we've never navigated this space before. I don't know what it looks like to have a church of 2,000 people, but it's a reality. We could be that in two years. Do you believe that? Ooh. You guys say it with such certainty. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea what's happening. What's that old wise saying? If you just keep track of the pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves, right? So all I know, and I'm not the smartest guy, I say that all the time, but all I know is if we'll just remain faithful to what Jesus has called us to do, that if we just create a place for those people that are on the fringes of what I call faith could find their, their welcome in, that if we're faithful to Jesus, that it's about Jesus and what he's done. And I, I don't know if you got to hear Joe when he shared in communion, that's the message of Renaissance every week here. The worship songs are, are singing about Jesus to Jesus. We're praying that Jesus pays attention when we sing. We're praying that God, Jesus hear us when we sing. Like you, you've impacted us in such a way. This is for you, Jesus. This is a, about you, Jesus. I'm encouraged. Lewis and Clark didn't give up. They portaged for months around waterfalls and this and that, made their way through the continental divide, I think, and then finally found the Columbia River, hallelujah, and sail just floated down to the Pacific Ocean. They didn't give up, they weren't disgruntled, and they continued to journey in what they'd been called to do. And that's what I'm asking of us, that we would just continue to journey into what God has called us to journey into. I'll leave you with this. If there are any questions that you have about anything, you would please send an email to info at Rindicator. You might have questions about ministry here. You might have questions about the numbers here. You might have questions about, I don't even care. We just send questions in. We want to hear from you. We want to know from you. Would you just pray with me that God would give us his spirit? Lewis and Clark had a guide. You remember her name, Sacagawea, right? Remember her story? That was kind of cool, I guess, you know, and, we have an even greater guide in the Holy Spirit who's come to help us. But we have to hear him. And it has to, it, we have to hear him quickly. We have to discern his voice loudly sometimes. And we need help in that. Would you agree? So let's just pray together. God, I thank you for everything that you've done so far here in the church. You are so good. I, pr I pray this would be an offering unto you, that our time together would be for you and because of you, God. God, as we embark on the, the next leg of our journey in this thing called Renaissance, would you, would you guide us and lead us and encourage us? Would you protect us from the things around us like the, the, the mosquitoes and the grizzly bears and, and starvation and all those things that they had to endure? God, we're gonna have to endure a lot of things as well. Would you, would you help us as well? I pray for divine protection as we move forward, for wisdom from God himself, for authority from the Holy Spirit to just believe and to move forward. God, I thank you for all of the people that you've assembled here God, I thank you for those that, that have come to Renaissance and have now moved on to other places. God, I pray that you continue to bless them. 
And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd begin to prepare in the hearts of those individuals that you, that you want to bring here once we have the new space opened in four to five, six months. God, you'd already put in their hearts that they would come and that we would receive them with open arms like Jesus would himself. God, I thank you for all the work that you're doing. God, bless us. God, bless us as we continue to do this work of proclaiming Jesus. God, we thank you. We worship you. It is your story to tell. These are your numbers to proclaim. These are, these are your numbers to boast in. 15 people baptized last year belong to you, oh Jesus. They are your people. They're for you, God. Make us wise, God. Make us wise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together, we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, please go to rendicator.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves him.